Hello everyone, welcome everybody to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today we will be covering how to create healthy culture in the gaming studio. If you're new to the podcast, we bring the top leaders of the gaming industry together to exchange ideas, challenge each other and hopefully get a few takeaways along the way. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Associate Producer Anastasia from Ubisoft Red Links, Josephine, Head of People and Culture from Solidicon, Antonin, Studio Director at Voodoo, and Sheldon, Design Director at Rovio, Montreal. Now, each of you bring a question to ask the other guests underneath the topic of how to create a healthy culture in the gaming studio. Before we start, we'll start with a round of quick introductions. Sheldon, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Hey, I'm Sheldon Laframboise. I am a design director at Rovio Montreal. Uh, industry for like 16 years. Uh, started in design, did some art, uh, found out design was always kind of my spirit animal. Um, so I got back into it and uh, haven't looked back. And I'm currently working on a couple things, some personal, some professional. I have a book that I am ready to publish any day now uh, on uh, gamification monetization, and I'm working on what I think is a innovative project with a really talented team uh, over in Montreal. Uh, PC console, Rovio's first. So exciting stuff on my side. Nice and secret too. Cool. Uh, Josephine, over to you. My name is uh, Josephine, and I am head of people and culture here at Solid Icon in Gothenburg, Sweden. Uh, new within the gaming industry, but used to being in the people industry, so to speak. Uh, my focus in this company is just to create like the best company we could possibly have because we are in Gothenburg and talents are very hard to find here. So that is my goal right now. My goal and my aim. Lovely. And Anastasia. Hey, I'm Anastasia and I'm AP here at Ubisoft Red Links in Helsinki. Um, I'm passionate gamer myself and I'm, ga- I'm in the game industry as long as I remember myself and I love games and game studios and people. So I'm happy to talk about healthy culture. It's a passion of mine. Lovely. And finally, Anthony. Hello. So I'm also now. Um, I've been in the industry for the last five years. Um, at the beginning, I was focusing in the publishing aspect um, and then I completely turned for uh, two pillars that I think I'm the best at, which is uh, product and uh, management. Uh, and since uh, early this year, I've moved uh, to a position of studio director, so creating uh, my own games. Uh, and I'm located in Paris. Lovely. Let's get started. Anastasia, what is your question and the context behind it? Um, my question is more generic to all of you. Um, and the context behind it is... We talk a lot about the healthy culture, right? And there is like no unique formula behind it. If it would exist, that's going to be nice. It, if it, <laughs> it were nice, right? But there is definitely some pillars um, when we all like milestones or like foundation of the healthy culture. And I'd like to ask you, how do you think? What are the pillars of it? First, I want to go with... Josephine. Yeah, this is a very interesting question. And uh, just like focusing on the culture in general, uh, like we spoke a little bit about before at hand, that people are always people, no matter what industry they are in. And like, how do we take care of the people that we have in our company? Uh, And a healthy culture for me, I think that starts with just like clear communication. I have a very focused right now on communication in my organization. And a clear communication comes from all levels. I think it comes from uh, both managers. I think there's a high focus on managers. You tend to always stay on the managers. But a clear communication spans across the entire organization from my end as well. Uh, So that we have teams that work in a very transparent way, that are communicating amongst each other. They are communicating both upwards and sidewards in what they are doing and how they are doing as well. 
we have implemented a system, for example, uh, with anonymous, um, how do you say, like anonymous, an anonymous way of measuring health. So that is like one way for us to further make the, to make the communication, ways of communication for our employees even clearer, like even more clear for us as managers. Um, so I would say like one of the pillars, maybe to stop there for me, is clear communications and not only in regards of projects, um, but also f- to allow to to allow our employees to to speak in a way where they feel comfortable. Couldn't agree more. Great. Uh, Sheldon, anything to say? Uh, so yeah, when I, I saw the question, I actually thought of them less as pillars because I mean, there could be a lot of pillars uh, and definitely a lot of tools to get those pillars. So I, I kind of thought about it in outcomes. And one of the the first ones that always came to my mind was the idea of uh, candor. So you know you hit a healthy culture if you kind of have a a three sixty conversation. So what's the uh, the term that I think? So the, there's a book called Radical Candor uh, by Kim Scott, and I think she calls it uh, caring but challenging. The idea that you can have difficult conversations uh, more easily. And if you can do that, it means all those easy conversations and collaborations goes a lot further. For, for me, that's probably the, the most important one, especially when you're dealing with people from different backgrounds, different histories, different lives lived sort of thing. Um, now that there's some obvious ones like we had talked about in the, the green room thing is like the work-life balance aspects. You need to have an outside life to really function well uh, at the office. Uh, it's anytime I've found a job, it's one of the first things I ask to figure out what the culture is there. Uh, those are probably my top two. Um, I guess the last one is uh, kind of continuous learning. So, you know, it's it's awful. It sucks to be stagnant. So if somebody's in the same position for multiple years, doesn't feel like they've grown, they're going to start seeking that growth elsewhere. So I, I think, again, one of those like outcomes is people feel like they're always growing, not necessarily getting promoted, but they're growing their skill set. And, you know, by growing that as well, you make people better equipped for whatever challenges uh, come ahead. Yeah. Uh- on my end, um, again, I, I, yeah, I feel like everyone we, we agree with what, what has been said. Um, for for me, when I hear this question, it's more like, what is the result that you're trying to to have? Uh, feeling like people need to grow in the industry in their job for, for me is not going to answer directly to the fact of having a healthy culture. For me, what's important is that people feel that they're safe and that uh, and that they're in a situation when they can trust. Uh, be- uh, it's something that is important because when you can trust the other, then you there's no hard feeling or things that you keep for yourself, and you can call constantly uh, share. Uh, so yeah, to answer to to answer like very uh, to the point to what you, you, you said, Peter, for me should mainly be like a uh, mutual assistance. Uh, I think is something that is lacking a lot uh, in uh, in the gaming industry, uh, depending from one company to another. But uh, uh, sometimes it can be in because of the objectives, the way it's being set, or a lot of other reasons. But uh, I think that it's lacking a lot of mutual assistance. And as soon as you feel that you're um, not doing well, but someone is here, is having your back, and then can help you, I think it's uh, it's really helping in this uh, way. And the second part for me would be like, um, again, everything that's been said, but uh, uh, all package I would say like transparency, so good communication, uh, clear objectives um, or uh, also uh, yeah value uh, that are shared with everyone because that can be an issue uh, when you hire people that don't necessarily uh, share same thing so I think it's something that we'll uh, talk to you more Josephine but uh, yeah people that are don't necessarily have share the same value can be a big problem so yeah and if I can uh, may add up like about safety what you've been talking about is just it's uh, really cool uh, when you have an environment when it's safe to succeed right all together and have like this feeling of being the winners but it also need to be safe to fail like the failings should be like recognized as learnings as an experience and we will never make good games or good products without failing without like getting um like everything that we can get out of like as i've already said experience and also what i would like to add and i like i often think about it when i talk to people um is that we come with a different luggage we come uh with the background it may be like 
some bad companies, good companies, thriving companies that had like different budgets, different amount of people on the projects and everything. And when people come with this, like their approaches to work, it takes lots of time to adjust or to feel safe. Uh, and like this tem- team cohesion that Antonin was also talking about, it just like it's just like hard to build, but it's definitely like beneficial. So yeah, just was thinking about like these two points while uh, you all were talking. It was it was kind of funny actually. Before we hopped on the the podcast, I was watching the uh, the Starship launch from SpaceX. Oh right, so and, 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 and you know it was it seemed like it was successful and everybody was cheering. And then it started spinning out of control, and then while well, it it blew up, um, and then the cheering started again. Uh, and then you know it's hard to say how much of this is internalized in the company versus what's public facing, but then everybody started cheering again. And the uh, the narrators of the launch said, "You know, this this is great. You know, we have a lot of data that's coming out of that. So like celebrating that failure was a was pretty prevalent." Yeah, there is like several his- like stories in the industry going around about like peeping people dropping the tables, dropping the broad, like breaking the broad, like losing like millions on the mistakes. And what leadership did in this case, they said this is like. A great experience, great learning. This person, but they would never do it again. That like there is no point of firing them for this mistake. This is an investment. So, and I don't know how true is that. So I hope it's true. But this is like just I would want to hear from my leadership. And and I really really think that that also aligns with my one of my points or one of my pillars that I thought of as well, like the importance of empowerment and autonomy that you have a culture of allowing people to make their own decisions allowing people to drive their own work forward uh, being like really really teaching like self leadership to your employees because that when when the real magic can happen basically as a leader you it's very random that you know the best all of the time uh, so much knowledge within our 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 competent employees so if you really work with like empowerment and autonomy, of course, with that comes both success and of course, failure. So to, to, to create that safe space to, um, this is what we do. And we, we do know that this will lead to great success. And this can also potentially lead to us making, making mistakes, but then we will reflect on that and we will learn on that. Uh, so I think that is that is very important parts of a of a functioning culture as well in my mind. Hundred percent. Um, Anton, did you have something to say? Yeah, no, just to to I'm going with the same way that everyone's saying, but um, just to add uh, very quickly the fact that uh, uh, especially in video games, we used to uh, for one game for each company when we're doing one game, they 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 had to throw away uh, I don't know maybe ten. Um, there's a journalist that was saying once that uh, when you, you 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 you're playing a game, you have to see that it's a kind of miracle. There are more many talking about a triple A rather than mobile game, but um, I think it's true for every type of thing. And uh, and it needs to to remember. And uh, yeah, it's important as long as you uh, as you were saying, Shadow, as, as long as you can take the data of your failure and reuse it to actually uh, move forward, and then it became a, a success. Bridge. Lovely. Moving on to Sheldon. Sheldon, what is your question and the context behind it? Uh, let me see here. So my question was, what role does leadership play in shaping a healthy studio culture? And what qualities do you believe are essential for effective leaders? Um, how can I... The context of this is, uh, I think we've all been in the industry enough that we've probably had bad leaders uh, and this certainly experienced it and it left a mark on us. So, I mean, personally, I always endeavored to not ever replicate those things and and try to be the leader that uh, maybe I didn't have in those those situations. Um, and there's always a growing toolkit. You never stop learning. So I'm definitely interested in hearing the other perspectives. Maybe I, there's something I don't know, or I can also kind of throw my ideas out there as well. Lovely. Uh, Anastasia, could you take this one first? Sure. Um, I was reflecting on it. And um, of course, the bad examples, of course, uh, resurface in the memory first for obvious reasons and it's actually a shame uh, because like I've seen lots of lots of great leaders in my life but <laughs> apparently 
the traumatic experience comes first uh, in the memory. But what I would, um, I think the first one, what I'd like to focus on is about um, bringing the visual, maybe not the visual uh, per se, but bringing the visibility on the long-term strategy. What's um, what's beyond like day-to-day work? What's our goal, like long-term goal as a team, as a studio? What do we want to achieve? And it should be something like very grounded, very actual. Um, because like when we talk about the missions of the games of like studios, sometimes it can be very, very big words. Um, there is no need to sell anything to the studio. People want to be pragmatic. They want to know what's next for me, how I'm going to thrive in this like plan, uh, how I'm going to grow there, what's like exciting ahead. And the second thing that I was thinking about and that what comes of <laughs> mostly like from maybe not the pleasant experiences, the trust I, as an employee, I want the leadership trust in me, trust in my decision making. So um, or trust in me voicing my opinion because people has voices. They don't need voices. They need to feel empowered to speak up, like to tell what they're thinking, like what they concerns they have or um, even just celebrate something we don't celebrate uh, day to day like some small fix like oh yeah we did 100 bug fixing do we do it on daily no it just but like oh my god this is a problem how are we going to fix it this is like (laughs) the most (laughs) hot conversation but trust and celebration is like number two and three that I would bring up uh, I guess I can go first since this was my, or I can go second. This was my question. Uh, there's a couple of things. So obviously you put, I think you put a bit more thought into your own questions. Um, so first for me was somebody that can establish a vision and a mission. Um, and, you know, sometimes these things fall flat uh, because they're made once and they're never followed up on. It's, I think it's up to uh, a leader to always be the evangelist for kind of push these things and trying to push them to the limit. And it doesn't just happen at a company level either. So like a, a strong mission, uh, a strong vision happens company level. It can happen, uh, especially as a designer, a project level. Everybody needs to know what they're building. Uh, if you're all working towards the same goal in any of these levels, you're succeeding. Um, and it, even out of a discipline, you can have a mission. So I don't know if I'm on XCOM and my team mission is to be the best turn-based strategy designers in the world. There's there's a mission there, and you know at least the team is growing a pedigree by embracing that. Uh, and we talked about safety and empathy. Um, I mean, just, just some add some extra notes. To that is, uh, it's really easy to give feedback down. It's a lot harder to receive feedback back up. So um, one thing I think Rovio actually does this really well uh, as a whole, but you know at a personal level. If my team can tell me that I screwed up or something I did disappointed them, uh, you know, there's always a discussion to be had. And uh, and even when it comes down to like having a junior on your team that has a great idea, um, I've been schooled in conversations or disagreements in in design. And it's always uh, it's one of those things where I celebrate the fact that I learned something and the fact that information was brought and knowledge was brought from somebody else. And I guess uh the other main thing is treat everybody like you want to be treated it's one of those things that every it's you know been around for years that sort of cliche saying but i think it's important so be tough but fair uh that thing like caring but challenging and just kind of live that and if you embody that people are going to feed it back to you uh that's probably i guess we'll say that my top three for being a leader i focused on uh in your question i really focused on the word leadership and like where it differs from just being a manager or a boss and what differs there between being a manager or a boss or being a leader. So I really zoomed down on that word. And I think over 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 my time and over my years in, in different companies, uh, the thing that I feel is most important for me, uh, for me at least looking at a leader, uh, is that emotional intelligence. I actually wrote a LinkedIn post about this just a while ago. Like the ability to have emotional intelligence as a leader could be quite crucial for you to pick up on these early like signals that people are maybe not satisfied, that someone might be leaving or that someone might not be pulling in the direction that you want them to 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 head, basically. So that you are able as a leader to 
uh, to really like feel when you have stress in your organization or to feel when you have people that are frustrated. And that is very hard. I mean, it's very hard to just like walk in a room because as a leader, you are always, you tend at least to be a bit more distant from your team. You tend not to get the full insight on how the team is doing. But if you can like work on your emotional intelligence or really like tweak on that, I think that is that is a crucial part in a good leadership. Uh, and this is really hard. I mean, we have leaders that are not used being leaders that might be their first leadership role. Um, and I mentioned it before, but we have we have taken like actions on this in my company now that we have implemented like a data driven tool so that they don't always have to work on their gut feeling because that couldn't be hard. But now they can work in a data driven way on a weekly basis to see like, okay, how are people doing? How are they are they feeling engaged? How are they feeling about leadership um, in a in a scientifically based way? So uh, so not humbug. Um, but I think that has helped our organization a lot just to map out for our leaders what do you need to focus on now in your team uh, when the gut feeling isn't always doing uh, like doing what you want to do. Um, but emotional intelligence, I think that is that could be a, a crucial factor. Can can I riff off that one one second? One of my favorite things from a manager, uh, quite recently, um, the last two years, is his feedback was, "You need to be vulnerable as well," uh, and that's something I've been trying to work into. And ever since I got the feedback, it was I think one of the most hard hitting kind of things that was said to me, even though it was simple. Sorry, Anton, you were gonna say something. Yeah, no, just just wanted to to jump into to to, to try to to answer also the question. Uh, for me, uh, being a leader is uh, it's very hard at the beginning. You're saying as if it, uh, yeah, we all had uh, uh, good leaders and uh, and bad ones. I think that uh, in general, when we talk to people, uh, we left with the impression that we have more bad leader than good one. Uh, for me, it's actually something that is quite normal because it's hard to be a leader. Uh, I think that if we do the list of all the qualities that it regressed, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that uh, very few people has them, uh, and uh, and it's normal again. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, just in this conversation, we we're saying that uh, we need to be able to uh, to uh, and be quite far from the people, but not too far, be able to uh, understand them, but uh, uh, try to also put them like focus to the work, uh, also collect the feedback, uh, but also share feedback, uh, take all that great well. So yeah, for me, it's a, it's a bit of an equilibrist uh, work that you're trying to do and it's very complicated. Uh, but if I can summon, summon to just two main qualities, uh, that would be mainly, uh, so again, I'm retaking everything that you said, uh, but starting with integrity. Uh, so of course, taking uh, empathy, taking uh, emotional intelligence into it, uh, because I had, in, in my experience, I've been faced with people that don't understand what are the 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 day-to-day -day problem that the other are facing. So that can be also the work-life balance, that can be, uh, just focused on what they have or they are not interested in what they're doing uh, in the in their work and that is a big wall because when you're not feeling understand or you don't have the thing that the other is trying to understand you then you're actually dropping you're disengaging more easily um and the second one for me is uh smaller but uh the important accountability so when you're doing uh uh setting the objective and all that uh you need to stay true to your word uh, but again, a lot of things can be englobed into it. Um, so take uh, it's it's something that uh, I find true in sport. So uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a sport nerd. But uh, uh, into it, when you're looking at uh, football, uh, something that I think interesting is that uh, to me, the good coach are the ones that are saying that uh, when the team won, they're saying uh, the players uh, won. The player did a great job, and when the team is losing, they're saying. I made a mistake, uh, so they're always protecting in a way the the, the player, and uh, in contrasting with the other coach that are saying um, I did a great job, uh, and when we lose, they don't say that the team lost. They're saying this guy, <laughs> this specific guy, fucked it up, and that's even worse <laughs> to me. So. Do you want to yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was just reflecting. I love all the points and. Um, what I just wanted to add, 
about like continuous learnings in a way, right? And um, about support. So if the studio leadership, uh, when we talk about the studio leadership, we mean like um, managing director, CEO and something, but there is also several la uh, layers of leads and managers. So, and we all, us included, like production, game designers, directors, uh, all the levels, we all need to keep learning, to keep the better versions of ourselves. And um, we have like managers corners here in Ubisoft Red Links, and it feels really great to have like the peer support and to learn something how um, team introduce different tools and practices into their day-to-day, -day, like to solve some problems or like, um, again, do some different things. And I would add to sum up everything that I've just said, like supporting the managers and supporting like the team leads, it's also like a big milestone and a big goal, I believe. Um, for the studio leadership. No, I, I think my two cents here is taking that full responsibility, I think always serves you more than anyone else. And it also happens to be everyone. And if Paramount, like Anthony said, like a leader does this, and then what Anna says, and then their leaders can do this. And I feel like as long as the responsibility isn't going down, it's always going up in a sense. And I feel like that's what's going to make it sure like everybody wins in that scenario you're probably going to be hurt for for the ceo because basically it's all his fault but i guess you know uh, it has to go somewhere and obviously everyone can hold each other accountable and support each other and i think the biggest error is when you single it out like Antonin said to make it on one person because that's not ever true you could have always made it better or saw it come in or what have you unless they just maliciously deleted the game and walked out fair enough maybe put in security stuff i don't know like there's always something you can do i can feel um, over to you, Sheldon, before we move on. Uh, yeah, I, th I think there's one more point, too, is um, it's it comes down to how you build your team, too. You need to be on the lookout for individuals. There's uh, something interesting I saw, I think it's Simon Sinek, Sinek uh, where he talks about the axes of uh, performance versus trust. And then so there's basically there's two lines at the high end side that's something that's high performance, high trust is every what everybody wants. And then they have people that are high performance, low trust, um, which is your high performers. You keep them around because they they do a really good job, but they're also kind of, they can be the most toxic personalities. Um, and what he talks about is the Marines and how they would rather have somebody with low performance by high trust because you can actually, you can train and elevate those people to make them much more easily, but it's much harder to change personality types. Uh, so I think hiring certain personalities that are additive to your culture is also something uh, managers uh, really need to do well. 100%. Culture adds, not culture maintain. I think if you can do that, 100%. And I think you can always try, definitely. Um, over to Josephine. Josephine, what is your question mm -hmm. and the context behind it? Yeah, to start off with the context, like I mentioned uh, in the start, uh, we have our studio here in, in Sweden, Gothenburg. Uh, we are I don't know, for a small town, we're the second largest town in Sweden, but that doesn't say that much. And uh, we don't really work with a with a remote setup. Like we have our employees uh, a lot, a lot of the time in house. Uh, so for us, it's very important both to like find talent and also, of course, then maintain talent. So my focus is very much on like, okay, how can we create this sort of uh, community, this sort of like, okay, I belong, I, I'm a part of this organization, I'm a part of this culture. So I boiled my question down to, okay, how can a gaming studio foster a sense of community and belonging amongst its employees, then in the purpose, maybe to keep them and spread the word employee branding and everything that comes with it. So I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say. Antun, are you right to take this one? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, to, to be honest, it's um, it's kind of question, but uh, it's, of course your context is, uh, is quite particular, but um, I think that in a certain way, everyone uh, in this team uh, is asking himself. Um, I, I had to face the same issue uh, at the beginning where so I started hiring a team. Beginning it was like only um, uh, one person, then two, uh, three, it's no big deal but then when it's starting to be 10 20 or even more then the new people the newcomer like you really feel that they are a bit aside and it's always harder to 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 integrate them and to create as you're saying this uh this feeling of uh, of community and all that 
Um, to, to, to be honest, of course, there's a lot of things that can come from leader, but uh, before trying to answer it, I think that there's one point that uh, you cannot go through is that uh, no matter what you do, even if you do, even if you have the secret recipe, uh, whatever you're doing, you will need time for it to apply. And, and that's important because there is nothing that you can put and that directly after the next day, uh, everyone is, uh, is best friend and they, uh, and we have no problems. So yeah, um, in a way, uh, it's joining actually is a, is a question that I'll ask later, but, uh, yeah, to, to, to me, uh, there's always, uh, this feeling of, uh, of, uh, of pushing people to trust each other. So opening the channel of communication, um, opening the communication with the, uh, the, the manager with the, between them, uh, I don't know, uh, everything that can be done, but towards the, the trust with them. So everything that we said before with, um, uh, mutual assistance and all that. Uh, but also there's also another side that we need to work on. It's, uh, is a reward, uh, the recognition. So, um, celebrate the achievement, um, uh, do team buildings, uh, all that. I think it's, uh, it seems to be, um, simple to, to say. But it's very hard to 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 put in place. Uh, so that's how I would answer it. <laughs> no, I love that, especially the time to apply because it's just so relevant. And then if you do a culture event and then two people don't show up, it's kind of a problem because then they like might be even worse relative to everything. Um, over to you, Sheldon. Did that uh, very quickly. I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good, man. Um, so. I actually, first thing I want to say is with those like those team building events, I, I think it's generally pretty important to do those during work hours because as soon as you don't ha have the complexity of uh, home life conflicting with it, after hours stuff is, becomes an issue. Like my son gets home. Um, I'm sorry. I love my team, but I'd much rather hang out with my son. Uh, so if we can do it during work hours, I think team building activities are great. Um, and then uh, even building that more. There's team building activities that are for the project and there's ones that aren't. So, uh, at Rovio, um, with our team, we like to do like sometimes Fridays, just game time, completely unrelated to what we're working on. Um, we also have regular play tests of what we are working on. We'll sometimes we'll play competitors together to make our product better, um, all during work hours as well to make sure that it's, you know, doesn't conflict with anything. Um, and then fostering a sense of community. I mean, as diverse as possible. Uh, we, you know, gaming isn't the boys club it was back in the 90s. Uh, if you look at any UXR studies, uh, games like even hardcore shooters like Call of Duty or Apex has a significant uh, portion of uh, people identify as different genders. So it's it's not what it was. We really need to embrace that. Um, so if you can have a diverse uh, team as possible, different perspective, different lives lived, all of that adds value to what you're building. Um, uh, I'll finish it with like built-in mentorship. You, as a manager, you should use every opportunity to mentor the smallest little thing to the biggest uh, deliverable. Um, and a company, you know, by having that, you always you grow that sense of of growth and specialty, and then have that built in as well. Yearly reviews, whatever it is, that uh, make sure there's at least a baseline because not every manager is the same. You know, humans are difficult, and we don't all hop in line. So. At the very least, uh, have a baseline of that. Um, and then I guess I'll finish it with uh, open communication. Again, we're all adults. Uh, if you can communicate things that are going on that are difficult, obviously not if like, you're involving something that's trade secrets or stuff, but the team should know what's going on is and treat them as mature. And uh, I think respect uh, is really built. Antonin, quickly. Yeah, so, sorry. Just uh, one thing that I want to do, you make me thought of, uh, Sheldon, is um, of the, the event can also help a lot. Um, a small hackathon, a small thing that can be done together. So to put actually a team to work together. So I don't know how is it in your case, uh, Josephine, but the, the bigger the company is, the, the more wall you're building uh, between the teams. Um, you cannot like completely tear the, the, the wall down. That's uh, and that's not something that we wish. But having a little bit uh, create those doors from bit send there can be very useful. And things like hackathon or small hackathon, what I call small, is like a, um, uh, for example, one who has to be another team, something like that. 
uh, can be very useful. Um, I'm saying that because uh, what I used to do before is uh, uh, we're giving the possibility for people to actually create their own mobile games um, from time to time. And so they had to, uh, it was like people from other departments that was actually had to talk to people from the production to actually give their ideas and actually see how the product team is actually remodeling everything to arrive to something else uh, and including them uh, into it. And by doing that, you're basically opening a, a, a huge channel of communication between all, that, all of them. And that was uh, fluidifying everything uh, on the daily uh, uh, work, uh, the daily work. Sorry, Shannon. No, no, it's uh, actually, I wanted to riff off of that a little more too. So I know um, Shopify, uh, getting outside games, you know, culture is culture, right? Um, they actually really use hackathons, um, or at least they have. Um, and some of the things that have come out of those have been some of the most well-received additions to their platform. So by doing that, you know, you give autonomy, uh, people feel like they're adding value rather than just building from a list. Um, they see issues and they try and solve them. Uh, it adds a lot of value. So I definitely agree with that. Over to you, Anastasia. Yeah, to add maybe first, uh, on the hackathons topic is also something that we do here is like game champs because like maybe fostering creativity in a way it doesn't matter if like this prototype is going to end up in as a pitch or not but just also having fun time together creating a small game it may be playable it can be like a paper design or something it also um, about like creating communication between the teams like breaking this silo that we are like building even if we didn't want to but uh speaking about this feeling of belonging uh everything was already said that i had in mind i'm not going to repeat it um but uh, i'd like to bring also some context of different sizes of the team it's easy to have feeling of belonging if you're a team of 12 let's say right or like i don't know even 30 but uh, if, for example, we are Ubisoft, we have 20,000 people. So what are layers here? It's like feeling of belonging to Ubisoft, feeling of belonging on the exact studio, feeling of belonging to the product. It's like different layers and they're all important. Uh, one, two cents before I uh, pass that back to you, Josephine, that's okay. It's just on the, I don't know, the... Like, there's a lot of things here. I think there's like one practical tip I've heard, which I really wanted to highlight because it's just super good. It was from another culture. It was a producer podcast, actually. It was from Next Games in uh, Helsinki, who are now Netflix Games, where when there was a big decision, even if the person making the decision, like to the game, it's not exactly relevant to anyone else, they will still put it in Slack and say, this decision is going to be made in five days' time reply if this affects you comments blah blah blah. and even if you never ever put that message there i think that does so much wonders on transparency and it doesn't involve inviting everyone to every meeting kind of thing like just having that in the background i feel like again i know this is about sense of community but like i feel like okay you know what's happening there you know what's happening there you know what's their problem you can see people replying and then i think like it's just such a great idea which if can be implemented on a small scale definitely recommend it from the fact, like the good feedback I've heard from the studios that do use it, um, that's just one tip I've heard. I wanted to share. Uh, Josephine, over to you. And that is an awesome, an awesome suggestion or awesome tip because I mean, one of my parts was uh, I'm circling back to it again, like the open communication. Because even if you are okay, I am an artist and I work on this particular thing. If you are only in that little bubble and you don't really know what's going on and what is my contribution to the big picture, I think it's very easy not to feel part of the whole. Uh, of the whole community that is the company so if you know what's going on if you know uh, what your what your line of work are contributing to to the organization in in, in general i mean i think that is i think you have won a lot uh, if you if you know your your place and if you know what is going on like in in the bigger picture um so I also circle down to, I think we have mentioned it all basically, like during during our entire conversation, like, okay, open communication, celebrate achievements. We are, we just had this discussion today, actually, like, how are we going to do it? Are we going to give like people swords or like coins or what? How should we celebrate when they have been here? One year, two years, five years. Um, the inclusive environment so important so that everyone can feel like they can identify and, and like find their place in the company. Um, 
So apart from all of the obvious things that, that I found, I, I'm actually thinking about, um, we had to talk about mentorship within our organization or like, um, okay, can you, can you have a mentorship program between different departments, departments? Can you like sit behind the shoulder of someone, just look at what they're doing. So you learn what they are doing and also like do a reverse mentorship program, because very often you have like the senior one teaching the junior one, but like, okay, if we slip that as well, so that we get the full picture, uh, the junior becomes the, the master, so to speak. Uh, I think that is also a good way to maybe incorporate the junior talent into the organization, making them feel important as well from, from start, basically. One one yeah, tip that I've heard like practically to do that is masterclasses. So just suggest everyone at any time, if you want to do a masterclass, just book it in the diary, invite everyone and people can join an optional, will be recorded. So if you have an idea that can be used elsewhere, that's something we started doing evolution after hearing a podcast like this works really well and probably other people do it but i can't be asked going everyone and telling them so i'll just do it and it's out there and boom tip provided uh yeah sheldon yeah the master classes uh are a great asset we do it at rovio um at least in the design discipline um and i think when we talk about even just fostering community um i've seen some orgs actually do lunch and learns but it's not uh it's not about what you're doing like i've seen this is how i have my garden be so awesome or i do i make clay sculptures and this is how i do it and then it's you start realizing these people are people outside of the work they're not just the vessels for making textures or 3d models or you know making the game run uh, and you know, you don't get the big turnout, but people that are mildly interested or want to support that person show up too. So in terms of just community, I think it's a great way of exposing the home life of people. Fantastic. Yeah, if I may, like such a nice idea. <laughs> Sorry, if I may uh, add on the top of this, um, it's also some practice that we're using here. Um, there is always like this um, weather talk in the beginning of meetings while people are joining. So uh, how about, uh, and it's funny, um, practice is to ask some questions for example what was your first job people drop your answers in the chat like to avoid uh maybe some um it's like icebreaker in a way uh so also can recommend this one works really fun or like what one movie that you could watch again and again and again would it be uh like or would you go to the mars as a first column i don't know something well based on the imagination <laughs> Definitely not. I like my creature's <laughs> comforts. I'm not. I'm not made out to be a pioneer. <laughs> I would not. Not to be. <laughs> not to be able to speak about the weather during spring. That would challenge my Swedish heart so hard. Like, what can you speak about other stuff and not the weather right now? <laughs> it's funny, Joe. Speaking, I've said that every single call for the last year. How is the weather? Is the first. I'm too. I'm not even British, but I just feel like because I have to. I don't know because I hear it so much. Uh, one but thing on it would be oh. weird if you're going to start conversations like, "Hey, hi, would you go to Mars if you can?" <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, yes, my name is Harry. <laughs> just, just go off there. Um, hundred percent. And one thing I'd say before moving to your question, Anthony, is um, at the start of every call, like if it's if you have thirty seconds to not talk about business, I don't know, do a compliment, flirt. I don't know, just 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 have a good time. Sorry, if not flirt in the don't report me to HR way, but like just generally compliment something in the background, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but just general, like good vibes. Like I think we naturally do our evolution on every standup. Like we just make jokes for a good five minutes and I make the joke that we all spending like, cause there's 10 people in the call. It's like, oh, that cost us like 200 pounds or whatever per hour. If you salarize it, I think it's all worth it. Right. Cause it just gives you in that good vibe. Um, but yeah, over to you, Anthony, for your question. What is your question and the context behind it? Okay. Thanks. Um, yes, yeah, so um, the con I'm just going to start with the, the context. So four years ago, I started to to manage my first team. Um, it was uh, already made of a, a couple of people. And yeah, at the beginning, um, I realized that uh, very frequently there's like small mistakes being made uh, this and there uh, during creation of games. Um, it was actually ha much harder than what I thought. Um, and uh, with time, uh, after a couple of years, I realized when I compared the work that I was doing compared to the work I used to do at the very beginning, that 
actually a lot of things on my end did not change, but the quality of the team really, really improved. Um, and that was mainly done with, of course, time, people knowing each other and everything. But I had to work with much more people and to include them into it. Uh, also, at the same time, people that a product manager that I was working with, uh, that I thought that I were very, very good, like uh, uh, start over in another company and completely failed. Uh, and so I kept on asking myself, like, what was those key point that was making the because when you're a manager of the team, of course you 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 you're managing the, the team that you're not doing directly, especially in video games. Uh, so how do you manage to to make people work together very well? So uh, uh, I'm applying this to a uh, gaming uh, industry, but again, it's a question that then apply to a lot of different things. So uh, yeah, so, so my question is like, uh, uh, when you're doing a visit, very detailed idea or spec, uh, you can, they always can be interpreted in different way from one person to another. And so, yeah, as I said, with time, production team can almost like avoid main of the, the, the issue. Uh, and so you can limit the, the, the confusion. So what um, you currently do to limit this uh, interpretation gap? Sheldon, go. So uh, I'm really glad I got asked this one first because coming from a design perspective, this is like my life and the bane of my existence at the same time. So, you know, being in design, you need to try and convey complex concepts uh, in consumable ways. It is the it is basically my job in a nutshell. Uh, and everybody's on my team uh, job. So uh, yeah, the, the first thing I go back to that vision and pillars. First, everybody needs to know what they're working on. Uh, if they understand the context of what they're building, um, it helps them interpret, read between the lines if they may not understand the design spec exactly. And like when you work with so many people and it's, it comes from a diverse background, there are so many possible interpretations. I've worked with programmers that will implement something to the letter and kind of just don't get it. So you need to consider those people when you're doing the design as well. So it's a less fluid and it's more like a blueprint. Um, some people just get it. So you need to take a lot of that into consideration. Um, how you support that, obviously clear documentation, uh, having templates that people will follow. So all documents read the same way, follow the same structure. So these less variation, um, visual aids, animations, graphs, whatever it is to help explain not just text right so if it's just text there's a, a mental image if you provide that mental image then there's less for interpretation um open door policy again this is something uh, i i love rovio and it, it works really well and my team is awesome so as things are being developed constant check-ins so they will like hey i didn't understand what you meant by this can you elaborate it give them the feedback we update the documentation so that it's consistent to for that that perspective um, having a baseline for that. So like a, a set workflow as well. So like I talk about having yearly reviews, uh, reviews every six months, having a workflow that's defined. So you have a, uh, feature kickoff within the, your discipline, you kick off multidisciplinary reviews. So programmers can go, oh, we can't do this because X artists go, that's really difficult. Can we do it this way? And then you do the feature kickoff before it gets started. So everybody knows it's they're working on. Um, and then I guess I'll finish this up with probably the first thing you need to do is onboarding. Uh, on day one at, at Rover Montreal, we make sure to walk people through the game vision, what the high level goals are, uh, what the pillars are, what the mission is. Uh, at least that sets them on the right path uh, immediately. And then, you know, it's followed up with uh, as we continue. Uh, yeah. Uh, th 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 um, thank you for this very complete uh, answer. Uh, just a question regarding this. Um, so you're talking about onboarding uh, and you're talking about a lot of things to put in place. Um, when I'm hearing all that, uh, I fear that it's a lot to proceed for a newcomer. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to, to see what uh, what is your point on this. And also you're talking about checking in uh, for uh, on uh, on what the others were doing. Isn't it a bit too invasive from time to time? I don't know. Uh, just want to have your thought on it. Uh, so... Yeah, I'd say it sounds like a lot, but it's not once you actually integrate it into your, your workflow. It, it's something that may not feel natural until you start doing it. It's a habitualization, right? And once you get into that habit, it's a lot easier to do. Like my son, uh, hard to get him to brush his teeth. Once we started making it habit forming, I, you know, I'm not comparing the teams to kids, but once you form that habit, uh, you know, it, it becomes second nature. Um, 
cutting out sweets to lose weight sort of thing. So I'm working on my dad bod, for example. Uh, and then, sorry, what was the other part? I told you. Uh, was, uh, when you say, saying, um, checking in on the others, uh, I was asking like, is it like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, too invasive. Uh, so I don't think it needs to be, um, down downwards. Ideally, if somebody's working on it and you have that good communication, they want to alley-oop this to you to make sure they're doing it right. So if you, if they don't feel threatened by asking for that feedback, um, it, it's not you that's doing it. It's them that's coming to you. Um, so again, a habitualization, open door policy, um, and it shouldn't be just building things to spec either. So go, oh, I like this, but I would do it this way. And then it becomes a conversation. How do we improve the feature? Um, so again, just, just habit forming and be collaborative. And I think it becomes a natural thing. One thing on that, uh, just to second that basically, because we have a monthly call with the manager and the contractor for every contract that we have. And that's one of the main things that somehow doesn't get resolved where we might need to be the prod and the prod is about basically asking permissions like basically just asking like, am i doing this right is this what should be happening uh because i think you'd be surprised even if you give them all the basically if you tell them like please do this you know check in every time every time but then day to day comes on something's very busy someone puts you in touch with someone else lo and behold it feels like they don't want to talk to you and it doesn't mean it's intentional, but it's just hard to get an answer. So that's the one thing where when I come in, it's like, okay, this person has this issue, thoughts. It's like, okay, wait, we're dedicating some time to talk about it. And then it gets resolved after that month. So it's definitely, even if you say you do it, just make sure that just if you have one-to-ones, perfect. Like actually ask them directly, like, please. Like the one thing I always do is when I say, oh, any challenges? And they say, no, I'm like, okay, what isn't perfect? And then, oh, there's a challenge. So like, just ask it a second time, you know, uh, like, what is room for improvement? So just like keep rephrasing, just reassuring that, please, anything, even if it's small, let me know. Yeah. So even from a, from managerial perspective, so if somebody's going to make the effort to come to you, you need to make sure you're, still, you're available right away to answer that. Because if it's the answer just sits there, they move on and then it's done incorrectly. And then there's to get into the kind of toxic cycle. So at the very least, if you're not available, put that in your calendar, wherever it is, remind you to get back to that person. What do you think, Anastasia? Um, again, hard to go after you. <laughs> sorry, I already mentioned the most, I'm sorry. The most good. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. Um, well, um, just to add on the habitualization is just like basically why we like and why many company likes uh, Agile and Scrum, right? Because there is like the ceremonies that you are following and that gives people a platform if they afraid to speak now or like they don't feel comfortable to do it they go they know that there's going to be retrospectives or whatever you call it um, based on the uh, what practices you're following but they know there's going to be a chance there's going to be a one-hour meeting there's going to be an anonymous survey or whatever practice when they can speak up and say what went wrong or like what went well um, and um, also about being clear um, I love the rule if you're chatting about something more than five minutes jump on a call so and don't forget to write down about what you agreed upon um, because especially when we switched to the remote during pandemic I don't know how about you but for me it was hard I'm a very social person so um, I like chatting with people I like understanding things um, I like asking questions but um uh, not all people around me are extroverts want to jump in into conversation. So um, that's something also to consider uh, when you're introducing anything like feature design that um, people may say that they understood something uh, or maybe they just shy to say they, they didn't or like they are new or it's junior uh, or it, it doesn't matter. Or it was just a bad day and they zoned out and there was like crying kid on the background. So just giving a room of people, again, open door to come back, answer questions or teach people and empower them to asking these questions. That's um, also important that I would add here. And I think uh, I really, when, when I had a look at this question, uh, um, we have done we have done some work in our organization as well. This is this is something that we all share apparently. Uh, a lot of what you guys have said, uh, I, I agree with, and uh, are being very good points. So to to add something new, uh, one thing that we have really started to think about, and I like all of the managers in the organization are starting to think about as well, 
is just to like share information in different ways to cater to everyone's needs. Uh, I don't know about you guys, how you receive your information the best. I mean, some of us are readers, some of us are listeners, some of us are readers and listeners. Uh, you want to discuss with people and it could you could potentially very easily end up in the trap where you only communicate in the way that you feel that you take information in the best. So uh, what we have started to do and do as much as we can, at least, is that, okay, we do inform about things in meetings. Then we send out it out in a text and then we have a follow up and then we have a discussion. So like where it makes sense, of course, you can't always do this. But when it's big, major things in the organization that we try to make sure that all needs are catered when you look at, okay, how do you how do you receive your information the best? And just do this on a regular basis, regular communication. I, I'm of the class that thinks that you can't really communicate too much when it comes to to limit interpretation gaps. Um, and also, so, I mean, just like a shared vocabulary as well. Like, what is our definition of done? My definition of done could be very different from, uh, from like yours, Harry. Uh, so we have to agree also, okay, what is this? What does this mean? Uh, and that is a big job. It's it's a big task, but I think you have a lot to win if you can if you can implement it as early as possible. And I think that is what you said based on your question, Antoine. Like, okay, over the years it gets better. Okay, can we cut like one year? Can we cut some months if we start thinking about this actively? Notes after meetings, uh, in text. Like, I mean, that for me that's the ultimate baseline um, because there's some conversations can be really complex. Um, a lot of those things can fall through the cracks. So if you can, if you're in Slack or Teams or whatever your messaging platform is, even just email, just a bullet point of what the main takeaways are is invaluable. Um, some people, like you said, are listeners and some are, are readers. Um, I'm a listener. Uh, I generally, if I hear it, I remember a lot better if it's written uh, or if it's not written, not written. But that's not just me. That's a lot of people. And even though I have a decent memory, I'll still forget things and I'll refer back to the notes as well. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, I definitely wholeheartedly endorse that. I'm waiting for ChatGPT to do that all for me with Teams. Fingers crossed. It's coming. Yeah, I think, I, I think they added something to like Notion for AI notes for meetings now. I, I actually manually put a podcast through and it got me the takeaways and I sent it to the guest. I will try to do it for this one. And it worked. I had to do some weird dodgy websites, but I got it to work. Uh, but yeah, fingers crossed, it's always got to be automatic. And then Teams is better, finally, because we've got Microsoft involved. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Uh, Anastasia, thoughts? To be honest, I forgot what I wanted to say. No. I had to, I, say, I had something uh, to reflect on what Josephine just said, and I already forgot. <laughs> it's all good. Because there was uh, no notes. <laughs> um, there we are. There was one thing um, that I think Josephine mentioned a couple of times, and I think it's very important. The Like, I'm just thinking, like, if you have a monthly, month-to-month, one-to-one, if you have that luxury, that's a big time where you can just start. It's like, okay, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to get out of this? And then usually the biggest stuff comes from the top. But I feel like the more touch points, the better, within reason. So let's say you have a stand-up every morning. That is an opportunity where someone will say, oh, could you stay around for a second? Cool. Then you also have a retro, maybe, on the Friday or what have you. That's another opportunity. And then if you have a one-to-one, that's another opportunity. And there's one other thing that I remember was don't assume... um, If you have like a high-performing person and a low-performing person, I would still give both people the same amount of time, maybe even more time sometimes to the high-performing person within reason. Just in the sense like don't assume that he knows what he's doing, he's been doing it for two years, happy days. Like I think there's a lot of room from great to like excellent, I guess, like always treat don't just assume that someone knows what they're doing because you might find out three months later after in production and you're like great we could have done that earlier um i think like touch points and what anastasia said if they know they will have a time to bring it up they, they can do it if they're shy and also anonymous i have suggestions that but i don't kind of want to say to my boss's face just in case for example like this might be like a survey you do quarterly i think that's personally a bit too long because then it might be irrelevant so we started something called like an anonymous tip pop hat tip. Basically, you just write a message like Secret Santa and you just literally write a tip and you just shoves it in there and it happens and you can just look at it on the weekly employee experience meeting, for example. Uh, and that's completely anonymous, not too complicated. Uh, that's one thing that I thought of that might help because 
it's just more opportunities to bring all these things up. Right. Um, I want to take this back to... I have a suggestion. Oh, sorry, Harry. I just said, I have a suggestion of an excellent platform for anonymous gathering of feedback from employees. So just write to me on LinkedIn and I will uh-huh. let you know. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, Anthony, I just want to bring it back to you for just closing thoughts on that question or if there's any follow-up. Yeah, no, um, thank you very much uh, for, for for the feedback. Um, n- yeah, on this, uh, I think it, it brings a lot of, of great points. Uh, and yeah, again, uh, time is, uh, you can all n- never go against it, but uh, yeah, a lot of things that can be done and put in place to actually uh, accelerate all this. And um, yeah, next time I feel in this situation, I'll, I'll try to make sure to, to put that in practice too to make it better so yeah thank you very much guys that's fantastic um guys this is time um we'll leave it there this has been the evolution exchange gaming podcast i want to take this opportunity to really thank sheldon Anastasia, uh, josephine and Antonin. thank you so much for getting involved and thank you everyone at home for listening and hopefully you had a couple insights to take away if you would like to get involved in a po- upcoming podcast i just want to chat about anything you can reach out to me on linkedin at harry foku foku spell out p-h-o-k-o-u